All right. Well, I have the special privilege this morning of introducing um, our speaker this morning, um, and that is my own father, Scott Walt. Uh, my parents are here from Austria. Um, and as some of you know, but maybe not all of you, um, we have been supporting them as a church for many years now in the work that they're doing in Austria. They've been serving over there uh, for over 30 years faithfully now and plan to continue to serve there for the rest of their lives as long as the Lord gives them. Uh, they have been doing um, incredible work, and really the Lord has been doing incredible work in Austria through them. And so I'm really excited for you guys to be able to hear this morning um, about that work and how, whether you know it or not, you have actually been a part of that work. And so you'll get to hear that this morning. And so I'm going to ask uh, Scott if he would come up. And as he comes, if you guys would stand with me for the reading of God's word. And we're going to um, take as our text this morning, Acts chapter 14. Um, uh, I want to invite you, if, if you do not have your own Bible, you'll, you'll find one in the seat pocket in front of you, a blue Bible. And if you don't have a Bible at home or you know somebody who needs one, please take that with you as our gift. We want everyone to have the Word of God in their home. Uh, so this is Acts chapter 14, verses 26 to 28. It says, And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you. may be seated. Well, the Lord Jesus said, I will build my church, didn't he? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that started at Pentecost. And that's not just in one small place. The Lord Jesus has been building his church all over the world until this day. And it continues on. It continues to go forward. And this congregation is a part of that, right? The Lord is building his church. There's something going on right here. But we are connected with all other true churches of Jesus Christ, aren't we? Because he is building his church, and we are connected. We're connected with the other churches in Lubbock who are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and with other churches around the world. And the Lord is working. You know that, right? It's it's normal just to think of us and what's happening here, what has happened, what's going on, what's going to happen. We're all focused on that, what's going on with our group. But there is a time to step back and to think about what the Lord has done and is doing and how he's actually using us in this case, how he's using you, as David says, whether you know it or not. Because we are a part here, you are a part here of something that God is doing in Austria. Part of his 
picture worldwide, but there is a point. There is a county in Austria. It's just south of the city of Vienna. There's a county there of 120,000 that the Lord started something very unique, actually, and very special that you are a part of that. And we would like to tell you about that this morning for your encouragement. May I do that? It started at the end of World War II, just after World War II. And that was a time of, of real uh, destitution there. Austria was, was part of, the, of the, um, the Nazi movement, and Hitler was an Austrian, by the way, Adolf Hitler. It's a, it was a sad time and, and a terrible time and a desperate time. And after the war, the war was over, the countries there were broken and destroyed. And it was a time when um, Austria was, a, even so, a very religious country, um, high Roman Catholicism there. And there were two women, young women at that time, and they would go to the, to the Catholic Mass. It was read in Latin, which they didn't know. So you can understand that going to church was a bit of a different experience than, uh, than what you and I experience. But, but there was something going on in their hearts, in the hearts of these two women. And they got hold of a Bible, which was unique. They got hold of one, and they read the scriptures, and they got saved. We would say they came to understand uh, what it is to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was in the late 40s. And so what did they do? They read the scriptures and they read portions like the book of Acts. They read about the early church. They read about churches starting and gathering uh, to the name of Jesus Christ and to the glory of Jesus Christ. And they started to pray that the Lord would send them missionaries. They read about Paul and Barnabas going out and going to different places and sharing the gospel with people. And they prayed, Lord, send us missionaries. And Lord, build a church in this county to your glory and to your honor, which will impact this entire county. This started in the late 40s with just two very humble women. And they prayed for 10 years. And then I was born. Nothing happened in those 10 years. It was still just the two of them. But they prayed. And they kept on praying. And they kept on praying. And they prayed another 10 years. It was just the two of them. And they kept on praying. But when I hit... Age 13, just a normal kid in a normal home, God-fearing, God-loving parents, the Lord met me in a very unusual and a very special way at age 13, where he showed me, what you prayed, Katie, he showed me the depth of my sinfulness. I was just a normal 13-year-old. And back in those days, you couldn't get into much trouble even if you wanted to, right? It was a different world. So, but the Lord showed me the depth of my sinfulness, and I cried, and I, I, I was by myself. And I cried out to God, and I got down on my knees beside my bed, and I prayed, and Lord Jesus, I knew everything. 
I'd grown up at church, at Sunday school. I knew everything. I cried out to God. And I said, God, forgive my sins. Take away my sins. And my life belongs to you. And I meant that from the bottom of my heart. And this burden, this darkness that had come upon me, and it was, it was a burden and it was a darkness that had come upon my soul. When the Lord showed me how sinful I was, it just fell away. You know, it's like the stone that, that's rolled away, that falls away from your heart. Ah, oh, my goodness, the, the, the forgiveness and the glory of Christ came into my soul. And I was completely transformed. And that was 13. And I got up from there, and I had such a longing, such a desire to know Christ. I mean, I'd been in, I'd been in church. I went to a Christian school. I, I was surrounded by everything. But I had a, a, a hunger to know God that was completely new. It's completely different. To know the scripture. I started to read the scriptures constantly and memorize them. My parents, by the way, didn't even know about this. It was just something that God was doing in my life. But you know something? It had been over 20 years. And there were these two ladies in Austria that were praying for missionaries to come, right? And they'd been praying for over 20 years. Nobody had come. But they were still praying and still praying. And the Lord met me at that time. And I was so, I spent all this time I was on my own. But then the next year, uh, the Lord sent me a youth pastor. He was fresh. He'd been in Bible school and, uh, and in uh, seminary. And he was back from Vietnam. And he was on fire for Christ. And he was learning all these things in seminary. And he was my youth pastor. And he connected up and and one time he said, yeah, you know, I, I sent you really serious about following Christ. I was 14 by then. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, let's, let's get together and I'll just share with you, teach you everything I know. I said, great. He said, Saturday mornings at 6 o'clock in the morning. I said, whoa, that's, um, that's a little early, especially if you go to school five days a week and Sunday is church, Right? Saturday is the only day you, you, you can sleep in. He, I said, couldn't we do it later? And he said, no. I said, why not? He said, because I want to know if you really want this. I'm not going to waste my time with you unless you really want. It's, is, are you willing to sacrifice? Is, is this going to cost you something? I want to know that you're really in this with your And I said, I am. And I said, I'll do it. We did it for three and a half years until I graduated from high school. And he just poured his life in. It wasn't just teaching. He shared his life with me. Remember we talked about that, Gabe? He shared his life with me, how he followed Christ. He took me out and, and, and taught me how to share the gospel with people. We spent a whole year doing that, going out on Saturdays. He taught me how to preach, how to study the scriptures. He, all these things that he was learning, he just taught and taught and taught. And by the time I was 17... I, I had written notes on every chapter of the Bible, and I preached my first sermon on my 17th birthday. That's kind of unusual, isn't it? You know, where does that come from? Well, you know, there's these ladies back in Austria that are praying for missionaries by now 25 years. And they're praying that God would send someone. Well, right in the middle of that time, the first missionaries came. 
When I was in the middle of this relationship with my youth pastor, they came in 1975. They stayed for five years. One person came to Christ, and then they left. No church was established, but the two became three. And at the end of that time, when the missionaries left, 1980, that was a time when I was thinking about where does this go and how does this continue on? What does the Lord have in store for my life? And there was this wonderful young woman who's actually sitting in the second row. And I got to know her. I met her at church and come to find out she had parents who had prayed that the Lord would call one of their children to be a missionary. That they were, they were praying that with the idea, the concept is, they would release then this one to go overseas, to live overseas. And back in those days where you communicated by a handwritten letter that took a month to go back and forth, you were releasing your child Forever to go and live another life in another part of the world. And they pray. Who does that, by the way? Who prays, Lord, will you call one of our children? Well, you know, there were these women in Austria. And you remember what they were praying? Lord, that you would send, that you would send people, missionaries, to come to us. Because, as we know from Romans chapter 10, faith comes from what? Hearing, hearing from the word of Christ, but how can they hear unless someone comes and teach or preaches to them? But how can they, how will they come to preach unless they have been sent? So it's not just people following the call of Christ, it's others who are willing to send them. And here were parents who had been praying, Lord, call one of our children. And it was their oldest daughter who I ended up marrying. I, I didn't know that the parents had been praying for this, but the Lord brought us together, and it was clearly the Lord who did it, and then we set off on this journey to seek what the Lord would have for us, and we thought, well, we're going to go as South America as medical missionaries. I was um, studying to be an optometrist, which I became. My wife, Leslie, is a nurse, so it makes sense, doesn't it? Medical missions in South America, so we went to South America and we spent some time there. And then we went again, but there was no freedom. Oh, Lord, we're willing. We're here. We'll go wherever you want us. You know, take us to South America. No, close. It was just like we we're pushing. You ever felt that? You know, you're just pushing. And there's, it's, it's not moving. So we got back. It was, we got back from a trip to Peru. By then we had two children. We took our, our son, David. He was a year and a half at that point, to Peru on his first missionary journey. Not that he remembers much, but uh, he was there with us, and we were praying, Lord, you know, open a door for us to serve. And then the youth pastor, the youth pastor who had trained me, you know what happened to him at 1980? They went to Austria. As missionaries, not to this county, they went way to the south and got started planting churches and evangelizing. They just happened to be home uh, on a furlough, and I got we got back from, from South America, Peru, and I was talking with him. We just happened to meet, just said, you know, 
I, I don't understand this. We're, we're prepared, we're ready, but in my heart, it just seems like the door is not open. He says, well, I know why. You're supposed to go to Austria. That's where you are perfectly suited for, is ministry and life in Austria. It's like, whoa, I don't know, because that's a whole change of direction. That's a change of career. That would be leaving my career, not using my career. That's a whole different ballgame. And so it's like, I don't, I don't see that happening. So I went home, and I just, I just shared that conversation with Leslie, and she looks at me, and she says, that's it. That's what God wants. Wow. So... I spent the next six months wrestling with that and resisting that. I didn't want to go to Europe. I didn't want to leave my profession. But after six months, and it was a dark, it was a dark, dry time. Finally, Lord, <clears throat> you want wherever you lead, I will follow. And that's when again, ah, the clouds parted, <laughs> the light came in, the Lord was there. The way began to open up, and the Lord began to move and open doors. The the stories of how he enabled us then, the summer of 88, to leave. The right moment, the right time, we'd added a third son to our family, and just to say, all right, Lord, we'll go. But, you know, by now... There's two women in Austria. They had been praying for 40 years. 40 years that the Lord would send. So we went. We just went, and it's somewhat unusual. I know Abraham did it. He packed up, and he went to a land. He'd never been. He never knew, and he went for forever, right? He just packed his bags. He knew it was coming back. That's not typical of, of how we do things, even in missions. But we packed up our three small children and got on a plane, and we knew we weren't coming back. And we went to a country we'd never been to, ever, to a language we hadn't learned, to a culture and a situation, and you just say, that is really crazy. It is. And even in the context of missions, it's pretty unusual, and I can't recommend it for everyone. But you know, there were these, something special was going on. There were these women who were praying. And they were in this county south of Vienna. Well, we were going to go to Vienna proper. Because that was the place we were going to work. with. And so we went to there. But you know, we needed to go to language school for a year. And we ended up in this house that was, you know, the way this all happened is amazing and incredible. But we ended up then, our second Sunday in Austria, visiting this little group of people who were meeting in this county. And this woman was one of them. And some people had come to Christ. They'd, have, they'd had some missionaries who had come by for a very short period of time. An evangelist from Germany had come down and done some evangelism. And so there was a little group of people about the size of, you know, the first three rows here. That was the church who was meeting in the name of Jesus Christ to hear the word of God and to worship together out of a county of 120,000 people. You were it all. You were the only ones who could explain or who could say, I know Jesus Christ personally, and you could explain it to someone else. 
You are the only ones in the whole county. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Especially when you think of Lubbock today. If this group here was the only group meeting in the entire city today, Lubbock's bigger than 120,000. But I mean to double it, right? That's, that was all there was. And they had been praying for 40 years for a church that would impact the whole county and go beyond that. This was the little group. Well, we joined them just to learn language. We were going to work in Vienna. And the year was up. Language school was running down. <clears throat> I didn't know any of this, by the way. We didn't speak enough German to understand what was really going on, what the story was. But one Wednesday night, we were just weeks away from moving on into Vienna. There was a Wednesday night Bible study, like the group we have here on Wednesday night. And it was just a few people. You know, it was just a handful, like five of you. That was, the, that was the group. And I was there, and somebody was supposed to lead it, but they didn't come, they didn't show up, and they asked me, will you lead it? I said, man, you know, I speak German like a grade school kid, <clears throat> but I'll do my best. So I led the Bible study. Next week, the whole group comes. Everybody that could possibly come came. All you people were all there. Wednesday night. They all sat there. They looked at me and they said, you're leading the Bible study again. I said, well, man, I'm not even prepared to do the next section. Oh, it doesn't matter. Do what you did last week because half the people weren't there. So I did. And at the end, there were two men. They'd been saved, both of them, for four years. Um, each of them, one was a graphic artist, the other was a school principal. They were the pastors of the church, four years in the faith. They came to me afterwards and they said, you're the one we've been praying for. Will you stay? And they meant you are, Leslie and I. And we did. We stayed. And we joined this group. And we started to pray with them. It was just a small group. It was really difficult. The country was really hard. It was hard to share the gospel with people. Really hard. Ten years we worked. Ten years we prayed with this group. Now, these ladies had been praying 50 years by now. It's in the mid-90s. Very little. We'd seen a few people come to Christ, but very little at that point. <clears throat> One of the original ladies was still left, and she got sick. She got cancer. She was 83, I believe, 82. So I went to the hospital. And just, you know, to bless her, I, I just figured, you know, it's the end. She's old. She was really worn out. Sister, go in peace, go to be with the Lord, bless you. She looks at me, she says, pray that I get healed. I said, why? Are, are, are you afraid to die? She says, no, 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 but my work is not finished. What work? Well, the prayer that lots of people would come to Christ, especially that the Lord would give us young people that they would come to faith in Christ, 
that they would be single-mindedly dedicated to following Christ, that they would be pure, fully committed to Christ, and that they would impact the whole community and beyond. And here we were, we were still a little group. Pray. So I prayed for her, and you know, it's a no, it's a no lose, it's a win-win situation. If she dies, she's with the Lord, she's happy. But the Lord healed her. Who knew? I didn't. I was surprised. Me of great faith. But he did. She lived another nine years. And what did she do? She did nothing else but pray. She never said a word in the group. She just prayed constantly. You know what happened in those nine years? The Lord just blew open the doors and all kinds of young people started to get saved. And when they did, they came with such a passion to know God and such a hunger and such a commitment that we could have a youth group meeting that would go on for two to three hours. And it was, you know, it wasn't games. It was, boy, worship, prayer, and Bible teaching. And that, was, that went on every week. And, and it was growing and vital. And they came to us and said, we want more. It's not enough. So we started, we started to train them. Well, you know, coincidentally, I kind of understood that from my history of what it was to be 13-year-old and on fire for Christ and have someone in the church walk with me and train me. He says, I kind of know what to do here. This is what I've experienced. It's as if God prepared us for this very moment. And he had, hadn't he? And so we drew them together, and we started to train them. We would have weekends where they'd come Friday after school. These were um, teenagers up into the early uh, teenagers and college age, and they would come and teach them just like Bible school-level teaching. And hours and hours of teaching. Friday, they'd come after school all evening. Saturday, early in the morning, all afternoon. Hours of teaching. They wanted it. They wanted it. Where where does that come from? Oh, there had been these ladies, by the way, who'd been praying for 50 years for this. And we would have, I would teach them, and by the time Saturday night came, I'd given them six hours of teaching, intense stuff. And then we'd take, I needed a break. So we we would have an evening worship service started at 7 o'clock. And it would center around communion, but it would be sharing about what God had given them that weekend. There was, there was a lot of confession of sin, a lot of repentance, a lot of praying for each other, laying hands on each other. There was reconciliation and forgiveness, and, and there was singing and worship and prayer. And I never had anything to do with those times. It would always be the young people themselves, and it would always be different ones each time. We did this every three months for 15 years. And it would always be different ones doing this. 
and they would lead the worship time and, and, the, and the, the interaction and the prayer time together. We'd start at 7, and we never stopped before 10. It usually went till between 11 and 12 this time. It was open and spontaneous. And I, would, I, I was so tired. I would just lay down and sleep somewhere, you know, just go and go off. And I, I was just exhausted, and it would carry on. You see, it had nothing to do with us. And it wasn't even determined by who was leading the worship. God was working. What did Jesus say? I will, I, I will build my church. It was God who was doing it. What a powerful work of God. Well, don't forget, there were these ladies who'd been praying for 50 years. Ninety-one years old. She comes to the end of her life. We had just gotten a facility that we could use. The, the church was just exploding. You know, because those, all those young people that got saved, you know what they did? They talked to their parents. And their parents were stunned because young people back, you know, oh man, we're so worried about the young people. They're just so out of it and and so lost. And these young people were incredible. And their parents are like, what is going on here? They're in a cult. Well, after yeah, that was the whole thing. Well, after a period of time, and they just looked at the lives of their young people, they started to come in and believe it or not, a lot of people then in our generation started to get saved through their kids. The church grew and grew and grew. And as time went on then, this lady came to the end of her life. And she died on Easter Saturday, day before Easter. And on that day, when I got the news that she had passed, we were in the midst of a training, teaching, worship session like this, and it was full. That was the day she passed. Her work was finished, 91 years old. The Lord took her. That's not the end of the story. That's kind of the middle point of the story. We lost, at that point, our prayer warrior. It's very interesting to think that just before she took her, the year before, as far as I can reckon the time, a team came to Austria from this church. That was the year before. Two of the members of the team sitting right there, they came with the leadership of the church at that time to Vienna. We happened to connect up through a woman named Vicki Harris. We got to know them. They were in Vienna at the school there in Vienna. They got to know, we got to know them, and that is when our son David got to know them and this church congregation. The leadership went back. David married a Lubbock girl who had grown up in Austria for a significant portion of her life, but a girl from Lubbock ended up coming back here, and because of that connection, ended up in this congregation. And right after that woman passed, about a year, as far as I can reckon it, the church here made the decision 
we want to be a part of this ministry. And we talked about it. And the idea is, well, it's more than just writing checks. It's, it's about being bonded together spiritually, about being part of what is going on. And entering into this history that has been going on for a while now. And the church said, yes, we will do that. And back then, back then, the statement was, we are a praying church. Right? We are a praying church because the battle is not against flesh and blood, is it? Right? You know that. And writing a check, well, thank you, but it's a spiritual battle. It's more than that. And so right when the Lord took our prayer warrior who prayed for 50, by then 60 years, is when this congregation entered in to our and decided and said, we will be a part of this ministry. That was a little over 15 years ago, about 16 years ago, as far as I can reckon it, 16, 16 and a half years, where we really made that connection. And what that lady prayed, you remember that? Lord, that many would come to Christ, that they would be single-minded and dedicated in their commitment to Christ, and that the word would go out. And just briefly, the last 15 years that you've been part of that, well, one of these young couples that came to Christ, it was a lot of young people, actually, who came to Christ in this time. It was about this time um, when this congregation began a part... I got, a, I got a call at home and I said, yeah, are you one of the pastors? Are you a pastor at the ch- this church in Baden? Baden is the city and the county south of Vienna. Are you, are you at this church? Yeah. You're the church that's full of these young people. It's like, yeah, how do you know? Who are you? He says, oh, I'm a television producer. And you've probably heard of Oprah Winfrey, talk show host, probably. We had one in Austria who was her equivalent. Barbara Karlich was her name. And she was the talk show host. And this was her producer. And he said, we've heard of your church and of your young people. And we want some of them to be on her show. This is nationwide. How how does that happen? How did you hear these young people? You have a group of people who are absolutely single-minded in following Christ, but they really love the Lord and they love each other and you have a good relationship and even they wanted to focus on the issue of sexuality. And, but you deal with that positively and openly, don't you? Well, yeah, of course. Well, we want you to be on this national television show. Send us some of your young people, and we did. And they went on this show and they shared for the whole nation. How, how does this happen? Well, you know, there was these women, and they prayed for 60 years that the Lord would raise up people. And by that time, this congregation had joined in. That the Lord would impact this area. I, I could tell you stories till next Sunday, literally, of, of various things and ways that the Lord had worked. And it shouldn't surprise you, should it, in light of what I've already told you about these, these women who prayed? Would you be surprised? Shouldn't be, right? We believe, don't we, that the Lord hears our prayers? 
Well, we experience things like like um, refugees coming to our front door, literally, of our church. Waves and waves from Iran, Afghanistan, other of those countries who came. And the Lord had met them as they had been underway and traveling and in their home country. And they came and they showed up right in our region. They really literally camped, thousands they camped, and they just said, can you tell us about Jesus? Muslims, can you tell us about Jesus? Do you have a Bible? Sure, why not? That the impact of this group, those women prayed, would go out everywhere. So we had a, oh, this was seven or eight years ago now, six, five, six years ago. We, we had a, a, a weekend church retreat. It was at our building. But there were so many of these coming out of Islam who wanted to know Christ, it turned into a baptism and, but they all wanted to share their testimony of how they'd met Christ. They wanted to give public testimony to Jesus Christ. And that ended up being the whole weekend. There were so many of them, and they wanted to share. And so we had a, uh, the last meeting on Sunday morning, you know, like we start at 10 o'clock. Well, it just kept going and going and going because of all these testimonies, and pretty soon it's like, boy, I, I hope you're not too hungry because we're just going to keep going. We went till 1 o'clock, baptizing people, sharing them. Hallelujah. All I need is Christ. Have you ever heard someone coming out of Islam say that and share that? I've lost everything for the sake of Christ, but he's worth it. This church, by then, was praying. It was profound. And these people, these have become missionaries that have been scattered all over the Western world now, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this, these last years, you know they've been very strange years. But the Lord prepared us. All these seminars, all these teaching and training seminars that I was doing a brother and sis, a brother, one specific came, a, a former Catholic priest who had come to faith in Christ, came to me and said, we need to put this on film, all these teaching seminars. We need to record these professionally and make them available for the German-speaking world because this is somewhat unique in what's available. And the Lord really laid that on his heart to start to film those and to edit them, and to make them professional, and then to put, have them put on YouTube so they'd be available to everyone. And he did all this teaching. And then you know what happened two years ago? Corona. And our country was often <laughs> and repeatedly locked down. So people, churches, things like that, they were looking for help and for support. Every, this was already had been prepared. And so they've been using that, all these seminars for their own, to help here and here and here. The Lord used it to spread it everywhere. This is just an example. But you remember what those ladies prayed? That the Lord would plant a church, and that church would impact the community, but beyond the community. And he has done that in a profound way. Again, there are so many more stories like this 
that are absolutely amazing. And the thing is, when you think, wow, you know, you guys are really something special. We know that if we'd gone somewhere else, this would not have happened. The Lord prepared this. The Lord did something special. It is the Lord who does these things. We cannot make people hungry, can we? We can just feed people who are hungry. And these women prayed 50 years before this incredible hunger broke out. And since then, we've just been feeding the 5,000. And this church has been a part of that, as far as I can reckon, for 16 and a half years. Pastor Mark came with the Edwards then, Dale and Judy. They came, Daryl and Judy, sorry. They came and to, to strengthen the connection, to see it with their own eyes and confirm that this is something that God's doing and it continues forward at this time. The Lord is doing special things. There's another generation. And what the Lord has done in the last five years, which has really surprised me, is there's been a tremendous work of God among our age group, our generation. Men and women of our generation, I have baptized a whole group of people over 50 in the last seven or eight years. I mean a whole group of people. And they have come with single-mindedness. I always thought just exclusively about young people. But they have come with a single-mindedness, a purity of heart. And there is such an intense passion among our generation that has had a profound impact on all these young people who are now Dave and Katie's age and younger. But they have needed ones who are a bit older in life and such, with this kind of passionate commitment to Christ, and this has had a profound impact on the church. These are the things that the Lord is doing right now. We're going back tomorrow, Lord willing. Traveling is absolute chaos. Um, We're going to have to sit in the London airport for a day or who knows. But we're on our way back. There's a seminar in two weeks. People coming in, it's going to be filmed, put on YouTube about the Antichrist, the return of Christ, the end times, lots of questions. The churches are waiting for this. We'll be doing this in two weeks. That's where we're going, and it's going to continue on. That's where the Lord has called us for the rest of our lives, Leslie and I. Uh, We gave up our American citizenship. We took on Austrian citizenship to clearly identify with the people We are one of you. We're not just these guests from outside. And the Lord has used that profoundly. So, thank you. Thank you for that. Some of you who have been there since the very beginning, and others of you have no clue. This is the first time you've heard, right? But if you're part of this congregation, you're part of this, whether you want to be or not. But I, I trust that for those of you this is new to, that you can say with the original group, yes, yes. We accept the spiritual responsibility in prayer to support this county of Austria, Baden, and the impact that that's having on the counties all around us. A new church in a different... There Again, I could go on for days, but it's part of your spiritual heritage. So will you stand with me and and pray? I would like to bless you 
But this could be a time for you to say in your heart, yes, I will be part of this and, and, be, and, and clearly make a clear decision to, to stand with you in this work in, in Austria, Central Europe. I would invite you, if the Lord lays that on your heart, just to speak that to him. And, uh, and I want to pray for you and to bless you. Father, you are doing amazing things. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to live among us. But when he left, he did not leave us alone. Lord Jesus, you said you'd send your Holy Spirit. And that was the birth of the church. And you have been building your church ever since. The story of what you have done is over all the time, the last 2,000 years, over the entire earth. And yet, for some reason, you chose us, Leslie and I, to be part of a work in Austria. And you chose David to grow up there and Katie to marry into it. And you brought this congregation into it those years ago. Who knew you did? Part of your plan and your direction. I thank you. I praise you for what is past, for what is done, for what has been accomplished. And I praise you for the fact that although the world is in, in, in really in chaos in so many ways, you are on your throne, and Lord Jesus, you are still building your church, and you will continue on. It doesn't matter if governments rise or fall. It doesn't matter if there's, if there's pandemics. You, Lord Jesus, will continue to build your church. And Lord, here we are. Continue to use us. Continue to use this congregation. And bless them. Bless this congregation here right now for their sacrifice and their part in this ministry in Austria. Bless them as a result of that, Lord, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. I have heard that story a few times now over the years, and I never cease to be amazed and encouraged by what the Lord has done. You guys can have a seat for a moment. We're going to take our missions offering now in just a moment, but... Um, I hope you can see um, that when we take our missions offerings to support uh, missionaries like Scott and Leslie in Austria, but also others um, here locally, nationally, and around the world, um, we're doing so much more than just writing a check and sending some money. Um, but it's incredible to think, right? We've, we've just we've just heard this incredible story, right? And and the Lord gets all the credit for that. Um, this, from start to finish, is, is a work of God for his glory. But he has chosen in his sovereignty and his wisdom to use a little church in Lubbock, Texas, to be a part of that. It's amazing. I, I could have never dreamt that up. Um, uh, but you guys, us as a congregation, we have been allowed to play a, a small role, a small part in that. And so um, I, I just want to encourage you, as we always do, um, to give generally, give generously to the work that the Lord is doing all over the world. Um, and it's, it's not something, you know, that we 
well, we, okay, it's, you know, it's once a quarter and we got to do this again, right? This, this is such an incredible privilege that we have, um, to be able to give into the work God is doing and that he would use us to be a part of that. And so, um, uh, we will, uh, we'll pass the baskets here in a second. Um, if, if you're like me, you don't carry cash or check, you can, um, you can give online through the app. Um, if you need help with that, you can uh, find me after the service. Um, so, uh, if, if you are giving cash or check, we would ask that you specify specifically that it's for missions, um, so that we can get that in the, in the right pot. So, okay. And then if you guys would stand with me for the benediction, um, if you would place your hands in a receiving posture, I'm, I'm going to read a benediction over you from Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, which says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace.